You're listening to the Branches HB Podcast. Thank you. Wow, Andrew, those are nice words. I'll have to give you a donut after this. Yeah, no, I turned 60. He wouldn't say it. I hit the big 6-0, so I'm with some of you, a few of you, right? Yes, big 6-0, right? Our life is still a long ways ahead of us. I figured I finally hit the halfway point, right? Aren't people living a lot past 100? Well, whatever, you can laugh at it. Those are six years saying that because you don't, we don't feel that, right? We feel 20 still inside. My, my body doesn't say that, but my mind says that. Still sharp. I do love, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than with family on the 4th of July. And I get to do it with church family this year. Now, typically we're at the Collins, and which seems like about the whole church family is there anyhow in their, in their yard. They have like 500 people come through there. But this year was different, right? Last year was totally different. But one thing I love about our country that we live in, and we know it's, it's this freedom that we have. Now, a lot of you are going, wait a minute, we have some freedom, but not a total freedom, but we really do. If you've gone to another country, you realize the country you live in and how we should be so thankful for the country that we get to be abide in and hang out with. And you know what? I'm not going to talk about that, but I, I just wanted to celebrate freedom in Christ. You know, and I will, towards the end of this, talk a little more about that. But I really want to get into our passage, which is Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 through 38. And before we get there, there's just a few things that I just want to share before we even get in there. You know, Andrew talked about maybe two weeks ago. He said, you know, we got back into the Matthew uh, teaching again. And I remember him turning and telling everyone, he goes, you know, one thing I really loved after I read that passage the first time, beginning to study it, is I just love Jesus. Remember him saying that? I do because I remember him saying that and going, I am in love with Jesus too. But when you begin to study and really dig into a passage, you become so much more in love with Jesus. So much more in love with who he is personally to me. And as we begin to step into this, I want you to begin to evaluate in your own life the places that God has met you personally. You know, not just the place where he knocked on the door and you accept him as Lord and Savior, but the times in your life where you needed healing in, the, in something, or there was a financial thing where God steps in. That's the stuff I want you to begin to look, even as we walk through this passage. Well, there's no one who came to Jesus ever that we read through, all the way up through this chapter 9 that ever went away unchanged. Everybody that Jesus touched was changed. Something in their life was changed. He met the needs of those who sought him in the simplest and sometimes a very complex way. In this passage we're going to read today, we're going to see his readiness, his willingness, his compassion towards those who followed him. We're going to look into the heart of Jesus. Man, do we not want to hear, see his heart and how he met the needs of everyone regardless of who they were or what they had done in their life. 
Jesus met them in their place. In this passage, we're going to see four accounts. We're going to see four healings. And you're going, wow, this is going to be a long message. I, I'm going to keep it under 30 minutes. Because Mark already, when he hugged me, he said, keep it short. <laughs> he did. That's what, that's what he said. I said, okay, I'm going to try that. Because I know he's got to go eat after this. But in this passage, we're going to see four accounts. And each one is entirely different. Different changes that people went through, that Jesus expounded on. He demonstrated his authority, his love, his compassion, his fulfillment of the law. In every instance, he surpassed every boundary of man. He connected personally with individuals. And there was times where he ministered to the masses also. So we're going to look at all that. My goal today is this is to let Jesus reveal to us his heart. And I'm going to give you a little sneak peek at the end of the chapter. It's his heart is going to be revealed. I want you to look right now at Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. I know it's, towards the, it's the end of the chapter. Sneak peek. Jesus says this, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You're going, wow, I've heard that scripture so often about sending and going and being a part of. And we're going to look at these four accounts of miracles where God speaks directly to two men and two women and changes their lives and how he has a call to each one of us as he looks into our hearts. I'm going to give you some valuable lessons. You're a note taker, great time to take notes. I know you're out here and you're going, I didn't bring anything like that. Take a mental note of this. But after each one, these are going to be a little different message, the way that maybe structure is, because I'm going to take these four accounts and walk through them. And then I'm going to give you a, a really valuable lesson after each one of those that is something that we can grab, something that we can hold on to. So turn with me now. Matthew chapter 9, i got to get there with you, verse 18, there we go. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But all of a sudden, 20 says, just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that very moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw noisy crowds and people playing their pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread throughout all the region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, 
Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and they spread the news about him all over the region. While they were going out, this fourth one, a man who was demon possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Father, as we begin to walk through this passage as a family, we want to notice everything that you want to teach us this morning. We know, Father, that our minds are pretty small and we have memories that are very short. So, Father, I just pray that you just pick out some things that you need to speak to each one of my brothers and sisters right now that they need to hear from this, that they need to glean from this, that they need to understand about Jesus and just help us to open our eyes and our hearts to hear you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So this first person we see is this father. It says it's a synagogue man that was very high in his position. So he's very affluent in the synagogue. But what we don't know is much about him. There's only a few verses that even talk about this. Now Mark goes to a little better uh, sharing about it. And Dr. Luke, you know, Luke is a doctor. He went to a little more details. So we know his name was Jarus. And we know his daughter was 12 years old. So that's something we don't read here, but that's something we know. And we do know this. This man was desperate. Dads, I don't know about you, but I cannot imagine my 12-year-old dying. I cannot imagine what would go through my heart. I can't imagine the desperation, how I would do anything I could for this 12-year-old daughter. I have a 12-year-old grandson, and I just love that little guy. And I think of the memories and the, and the times we've been together and shared, and I can't imagine, even at 12, losing them. So you've got to realize the desperation for this man. He was emotionally a mess. We need to understand that this request was huge, because even as the synagogue leader, he knew that Jesus really with the law, could not go and touch a dead person because that was unclean. So Jairus is saying, I don't care what the law says. I am going to this Jesus that I'm hearing that's doing healing and I'm going to ask him, please come to my daughter 
and heal her. I mean, there's this, this desperation. His faith was phenomenal for Jesus. Well, as the story unfolds, we see this mission all of a sudden briefly is interrupted by this second healing. It's very interesting. It's just a few, a few words and then we go right to this. This woman who was healed by the touch of the hem of his garment. I don't know if you guys heard that last song that was sang. But a, this woman was touched by the hem of the garment and was made clean. That's what that verse said in that song. But he still, Jesus took the time. Now, the other, Mark and Luke talks a little more about this and goes a little more detail about it. And saying that when all of a sudden she's in the crowd, right? There's this crowd that Jesus has around him because he's heading to this synagogue's house, right? This, this girl's house. And this crowd's around him. And this girl works everything she can to try to get close as she can to just touch the cloak of his garment. It's probably, they have these little tassels. If you've been to Israel, they have these little tassels just to touch the tassel. She knew, I can't touch him. She knew that about herself. I can't touch him. But this interruption, Jesus was okay about because he stopped the crowd. His disciples are going, why are you stopping? Somebody touched me. Are you kidding? There's hundreds of people around here. But somebody, he felt the spirit leave him. Something had happened. This woman knew that I have to seek after Jesus. I have to. This interruption is very interesting. Because what we forgot about is Jairus. Jairus is in the crowd, right? He knows Jesus is going to his house. Why is he spending so much time with this woman? My daughter's dead. I want him to come there. How many of us have been in hurries? So often. How many of us, everything's an emergency. Everything is a have to do now. God, why are you not meeting my need now? It's been 10 years I've been praying. But that's just where God's at sometimes. Sometimes he just is at that place in our life. We encounter situations constantly like this, each one of us. But what we can, what we can learn is Jesus is in full control of all the outcomes. Regardless of how urgent that we think it is, Jesus is in control. Jesus answers Jairus when he gets there. He said, oh, she's just sleeping. That's what he said. She's just sleeping. Can you picture this? It says these, all these people laughed. Now, who was all these people? It was probably some family members there because of the death. But even the poorest of the poor in that time would have at least two harpists, and one whaler. You know what a whaler is? Oh, you crier, right? But a very wealthy, affluent person, and some of the uh, people that shared about this, theologians, said there could have been as many as a hundred whalers and harpists. Because it says a crowd, a noise as they walked. Jairus knew my daughter is completely dead because the funeral possession was, was going on. But all of a sudden, Jesus hears this laughter. And he just, get out of here. He kicks him out. And he touches her hand. And he raises her up. And now there's these cheers. Because guess what? There had never been anyone raised from the dead before. This was the first one. So it goes out. And the word goes everywhere. Here's your first lesson I want you to understand. 
Jesus will meet you where your faith is. He knows how to handle the interruptions of our lives. And because he is the truth, he can outdo all the facts. We're going, we have facts. She's dead. It's not going to work. But Jesus is the truth, right? He is that way. I want you to understand that. Here's the second one. We already talked about it, but I'm going to expound on it a little more. The woman in the issue of blood, verses 20 through 22. This woman, again, 12 years, was suffering from a blood issue. As we know from others that this was a dysfunction, very likely, of her menstrual cycle. This is something that typically women would die from. What we don't know, but Luke, Dr. Luke, expounds on it more. It says that she spent her entire life savings on doctors prodding and trying to figure out what is going on with this. So she was desperate to see Jesus in this. So this is what some things she had to face. She was considered always unclean. Remember bleeding? You've heard this. She was unclean according to the law and was therefore an outcast in society. She was not allowed to touch anyone or allow anyone to touch her. She was chronically anemic, very likely. She was probably very pale and weak. And then lastly, due to this issue, she was very likely alone, without a husband, without children. That's a sad place. Twelve years she had been spending money and trying to figure this out. Now, you get a little better understanding about this woman of the issue of blood when you realize that she had to get into the crowd. She wasn't allowed to touch anyone in that crowd. She knew, I'm not going to the master to touch him, but if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just get to the hem, then I know I could be healed. This faith so she says she speaks to herself. You see that in scripture? Because she was not the loud one. She wasn't speaking out. She was quiet. She's getting in the crowd. She's just trying to be a part of them and try to just touch. She speaks to herself. She said, she said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. Jesus felt the power come out. Again, the Lord met her in her faith at that very moment. He made this connection with not maybe the touch or an arm or feeling, but this connection with the spirit. The spirit was there. Maybe it wasn't a flesh touch, but the spirit was connected. And what does Jesus do? He stops. He turns to her. And in that very moment, she's no longer an outcast. She makes it to the center of attention. He publicly blesses her. He publicly acknowledges her. He publicly affirms her faith. He calls her daughter. Can you imagine? Jesus says daughter. And she is made whole. This is, this is mind-boggling for me. When I studied this, I was going, I cannot imagine 12 years of just trying to figure something out. And all of a sudden, this master calls me daughter, and I'm made whole. This is huge. All of a sudden, she went from an outcast to restored, not just physically, but all of a sudden socially. In one moment, her entire life changed. 
That's huge. Here's the second lesson I want you to get. This story is not just one of physical healing, but complete restoration. She was made whole. The Lord can meet us, me and you, in private places in our lives. Powerful faith does not always have to be loud. It does not always have to be in a crowd or a church service. He can meet me in my room. He can meet me in my car on a walk. The third blind, two blind men, verse 27 through 31. Unlike the last story, now these men were loud. They weren't like her being quiet. They were loud. They were persistently following him. And it says they followed Jesus into the house even. We have one man that has a daughter that is blind. It'd be very difficult for your daughter to not have someone to take them into the house, correct? So these two blind men were diligent to come to Jesus by listening to that voice and following after him and even following him inside of the house. I want you to look at the faith of these two blind men. Faith to follow Jesus without even having sight. They, there was faith for them to cry out in desperation, making noise, unafraid of being embarrassed. Faith to identify Jesus as the son of David. We're going to get into that in a second. Faith to ask Jesus for mercy, knowing they did not deserve healing. Faith to believe that Jesus was able to heal them. Faith when Jesus asked them some for them to say, yes, Lord. These two men crying out, saying, son of David, have mercy on me. Please have mercy on each one of us. That's what they were asking, right? They were addressing him this way. Now, we don't address people with son of, but they did back then. The specific title was important. He says, son of David. What was he referring to? You guys know this. But he was talking about the promised Messiah. When all of a sudden these two blind are talking about the son of David. That's a messianic title. David was promised a son who would forever rule the kingdom upon this throne. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Messiah had to come from the line of David being born in Bethlehem. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy, right? That's where they were speaking it out. They were immediately saying, son of David. They also, this shows his deity. Son of David was showing his deity. It was customary for a Jew. If Andrew would have introduced me as a wonderful Jewish young man, I want to introduce Brock, followed by son of Raymond Snook. Do you understand why they, that title was? Son of David, have mercy on me. The story tells us they followed him into the house. Jesus addresses them and asks, do you believe that I am able to do this? And what do they say? Yes. Is that all they said? No, they said, yes, Lord. Immediately, they were claiming his lordship. Yes, son of David, Lord. Right? Immediately, they're seeing Jesus as the Messiah, the true Messiah. So he says that Jesus touches their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes immediately were opened. But Jesus warns them, do not tell anyone. Why? You're going, why would Jesus, these blind men say, don't tell them? We'll get to that in a second. 
Have you ever witnessed someone receiving their sight for the first time? Video, documentary, something. I've watched one time. Something that will ne- I will never in the rest of my life forget. It was a little girl. She was probably 11 or 12 years old. They're interested in the same age group. 11 or 12 years old that has never seen her entire life. And it shows her with the raps and the doctors there and it's her mom and dad and three siblings. And they're all in a room and a nurse was there. And she had the raps because she had an eye surgery and they're unwrapping it and unwrapping it and unwrapping it. And all of a sudden they take looks like Vaseline and they wipe it on the eyes. And the little girl begin to open her eyes. <laughs> and she hears her mom say, can you see me? And she didn't, just, she didn't just hear her, but she got to see her mom and her dad and her siblings that she had heard all of her life. Can you imagine the most important thing in your entire life is the first time you get sight is you open your eyes to Jesus, the Messiah. I can't imagine, oh, I'm emotional with it, because I can imagine all of a sudden being face to face with Jesus, the person of Jesus. And then all of a sudden he says, now don't tell anybody. Can you imagine that? Don't go and tell anyone. Uh, no, that, that didn't happen. Who would you not tell? I would have told everyone. It would have been a shock. Everyone would know. But here's the third lesson I want you to get. Jesus Christ will lead us into places with him that are secret, where we see him face to face. He does what we ask according to our faith. He makes it deeply personal for each one of us. Now we're going to get to this fourth one, the demon-possessed man, which is verse 32 through 34. This man is not blind. He is mute. He could not speak. Blindness was considered normal back then, believe it or not. But to be mute or deaf was considered abnormal. Now here's the interesting thing. To someone that's demon-possessed, they believe the only way you could exercise or do an exorcism to take that demon out was for the priest to speak to the demon and for the demon to tell me what is your name. The demon would tell him his name. Then he had the authority to cast the demon out. So a mute could not speak. So they figured they were damned for life. That's the impact here. That's what I'm trying to get you across. That this guy was demon possessed. But we are told the demon was cast out. That Jesus spoke it out, right? This mute man speaks. Unlike the blind men, this was in public setting. The blind men went inside of a house. This is a public setting where the crowds were going nuts as they marveled. And now, here come the Pharisees. Okay? I think this is probably one of the reasons why Jesus said, Hey, don't go and tell everybody. Because here comes the Pharisees on the scene, right? This can't be happening. What's going on? This is not supposed to happen. He, they said this. It's by the prince of demons. They're calling Jesus this. This is almost blasphemy. I think it is. It's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. They're claiming Jesus this. It's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. 
Possibly, very likely, this is why they probably weren't supposed to be told, the blind men, to go tell someone. But what we do know is that Jesus set this, this man free. He was mute. Now he's speaking. Here's the fourth lesson. There is no spirit, human or otherwise, that is not subject to the Holy Spirit. Jesus can cast anything out of your life. He has authority over all things. Jesus Christ demonstrated that authority right as we just saw in this passage. But as we're going to conclude and just kind of talk about the last few things here, Jesus in verse 35 and 36 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you hear what Jesus was doing? He just healed four of these people. But now he is going through all the towns and all the villages and he's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing. This is the heart of Jesus. This is what Jesus' heart is for the people. This is why Jesus came to heal us. Heal us physically? No. Guess what? All those four people I talked about died. Right? So ultimately they were going to die. But he gave them a spiritual healing. So much different. It says that his compassion was perfect. In stark contrast, the Pharisees were not shepherds. They weren't sheep gatherers and trying to care about the sheep. They cared nothing for other people. But Jesus said, I'm noticing people that are lost in Huntington Beach, that are lost in the world we live in, that need a shepherd, that need someone to gather them closer to the heart of Jesus. So we see the hopeless here. We see the multitudes. We see the desperation. We see the weakness and the brokenness and the suffering. And finally, we see Jesus' response. Look at this last verse. We read it at the beginning, but look at it again. Verse 37, 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus saw what was just going on. He saw as he walked through the villages and towns, as he's healing, as he's preaching, as he's proclaiming the good news that they were lost without the shepherd and they needed disciples to go and disciple them. So you want to know what Jesus' heart is? It's us to not just be a disciple, but it's to go and make disciples. It's for us to mentor someone. So church, what's, what's our part? We see today that no one came to Jesus ever went away unchanged. All of us could share our own story to say, I was like this and I was heading down this road, but Jesus changed my life. The trajectory got changed, right? You could say that. He met your needs. Sometimes you'll meet it in the simplest way, and sometimes it's a 12-year and, you know, something seeking after God. Jesus proved his readiness, his willingness, his compassion. 
towards those who followed him. His heart was to meet the needs of everyone, everyone out here right now, and everyone back then. In this passage, we looked at those four accounts, and it's incredible how God met them different, and how he touched some, he spoke into some. He didn't ever make a pattern in the way he healed, because you know what we would do with that? We would do it the same way, and we would draw, oh, this is how you heal. No, it's not something you ever do. It's still about Jesus, right? And it's how he chooses in his timing to heal us. What we see is authority, his love, his compassion. And we know that his law was fulfilled. He surpassed every boundary of man. He connected personally with individuals. And he ministered to the masses. And at the end of this passage, we see his heart. And this is our end. You guys can come up, band. This is the end of his heart. His kingdom work must continue. It doesn't stop. It's not because I'm at a certain age that I get to really retire and do nothing. That's not true. You know, you, we keep going in charge, even that hospital bed the last day, if the Lord needs us. His kingdom must continue. The teaching, the preaching, the healing. You don't need to travel to distant lands to do that. Yes, we have couples from, and families from our church that have gone to distant lands and other countries to be missionaries, and we thank the Lord for them. But you don't have to travel to a distant land to do that. God has given us a specific circle of influence. And that's a place that I met someone that brought their neighbor on 10th Street, right? 11th, somebody, I don't know where it was. But I talked to someone, it could be someone at the gym. It could be your family members. What is it that God has given you your sphere of influence? That's where God calls us to. We can continue his work Right where we are right now. There are people everywhere, every day, who desperately need Jesus on this 4th of July. People need Jesus. As his disciples, we are all laborers. Did you hear that? We're not some laborers. Jesus is declaring we are all laborers. Not only do we pray asking him to send us, but we can be the ones who answer saying, send me. Not just send us. That's easy to say it for others. But Lord, send me. Who's the one? Who's the one that God is going to plant in your heart that is your neighbor? Or that is a family member? Or it's a father or a mother? Or someone that you know that God has said, why don't you just check in with them? Why don't you just start having regular breakfast with them once a month? Lord, I just... Pray for each one of us as we just walked through this scripture about you. Amazing healings. Compassion for the lost. Men, these two men and two women that were in desperate need of healing. And you gave them way more than blindness being able to see. You gave them way more than just a blood ailment to stop. You gave them way more than just death. You gave them life. Each one of them, Father, all of a sudden have Jesus that has changed their life and they, I'm sure, followed you the rest of your life. But Father, what about us? Are we in a place where we're going, I'm free in Jesus 
And I thank the Lord that we have freedom in you. But I pray, Father, that you all of a sudden look at us at this last part of that passage and you say, Father, send us into the field. Send us into the field to be laborers. Send us in the field to tell our story about how I met Christ, about how God changed me this last year, about how all of a sudden I got this job and God is so good. Because Father, we've got to give you credits way more. We love you. And I just know, Father, that I don't know how this is going to land in each person. Maybe it'll be the first song we sing. Maybe it's the second song we sing. But I just pray you give us one person, starting there. One man or woman or child that I'm going to share who Jesus is to. And that may just mean having dinner or having breakfast or coffee with them. But help us just start that conversation with someone and to realize, Father, we are to be disciples and we are to make disciples. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Branches HB podcast. For more information on Branches, you can visit our website at brancheshb.com or stay up to date with us on Instagram at brancheshb. As always, we'd love to have you at one of our Sunday gatherings. So come visit us at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Locations are available on our website. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.